Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese TV dramas. This is Karen. And this is Kathy. The current drama we are discussing is Hou Gong Jin Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. Today, we are finishing episode 31. There was just too much in the last episode to discuss together, so we are finishing up episode 31 in this part B. As always, if you have any comments or questions, want to discuss Chinese history and TV dramas at this time, please email us at chasingdramaspodcast at gmail.com. If you are looking for Chinese dramas to watch with all of this newfound free time, but don't know what to see, please reach out to us and we can definitely recommend a few shows depending on which dynasty you want to learn more about, the subject matter, or if you have certain actors or actresses that you want to see. Now let's get started on discussing and wrapping up episode 31. In our last podcast episode, we discussed that Jin Huan had a miscarriage and we learned about the secret to the newly demoted Nian Fei's fragrance, Huan Yi Xiang. This fragrance contains Shue Xiang or musk. In Chinese TV land, the substance causes women to become sterile and is very harmful to pregnant women if exposed to it for a long time. We left off our last discussion with Jin Huan and An Lingrong discovering the musk in the fragrance. Let's start off from there. This episode primarily revolves around what happens when there's a vacuum in favoritism in the Imperial Palace. We'll finish up episode 31 with a recap, and there's also quite a bit of history slash culture to discuss, which we haven't seen a whole lot of in the last couple of episodes, and I'm very excited about that. The Emperor Huangshang pays a visit to the Empress Huang Hou. The Empress is spending time looking over the booklet that records where the Emperor has been staying every night. He hasn't spent the night with any women in the Imperial Harem apart from herself as is mandated by tradition. He shows up and you can see he's a little annoyed at seeing her look through these documents. I also still think it's really creepy and weird that where you're spending the night every night is recorded somewhere. The two have a pretty revealing conversation. The Empress can tell that he's not happy and the Emperor hasn't gone to the Imperial Harem for over a month, so maybe he needs some new woman. The two get onto the topic of bringing more women into the Imperial Harem for the Emperor. He waves off the idea. The Emperor Huangshang then brings up what he wants in a woman. She needs to be obedient and understanding. She needs to appreciate him and, you know, comprehend him. But she can't be too sharp. Just enough to, uh, quote unquote, be intelligent enough to hold a conversation. But he doesn't want somebody who's too cunning or too dim-witted. He wants someone in the middle. <laughs> Honestly, someone in the middle is really acting, going to have to act dumb. There's no way you can survive in the Imperial Harem to be a, that ideal woman for him. The problem is the ladies in Hogong are too intelligent. The ones that are not are dead. <laughs> are dead or you know they're the ones not in favor. I mean, he just doesn't know how intelligent these ladies are. Well, I think he knows that's why he's saying because he's like, Huang Ho, you're probably too intelligent. You know me too well. Well, the Empress... Definitely knows, and uh, we'll see what happens later in the episode because she knows the emperor so well. 
The main development in the rest of the episode actually revolves around making the emperor happy. There's a summer gathering where the emperor and the rest of the concubines are enjoying a nice meal and a performance at the summer palace. Things are fine, I guess. People are out, but no one's really enjoying themselves. They're watching a nice performance, but you see Jin Huan looking glum. Huang Shang is also just, eh, okay. The emperor is still not in the best mood given the whole miscarriage thing. And the empress brings up again about getting new people to serve the emperor. Remember that conversation about how the emperor doesn't like dim-witted people? Tifei is very much in that camp. Tifei is the mother of the third prince and she, we've discussed before, is really quite dumb. Fu Cha Guiren, this other concubine who had a miscarriage before Jin Huan, gives a toast praising the empress for the beautiful day and the emperor for the prosperity of the empire. The emperor seems to be in a better mood after this toast. Not to miss out on this opportunity, though, Tifei, the dim-witted one, immediately stands up. She just says, I would also like to give a toast. That's it. Nothing else. No reason to toast other than you just drank from Fu and Please not drink from, for, from me as well. I love how the emperor just blinks at her <laughs> with his tiny eyes for two seconds, drinks and ignores her. <laughs> it's quite funny. The emperor originally really doesn't want to see any more people or any more performances, but upon the empress's insistence, he agrees to see one more performance. On cue, a mysterious woman appears singing a beautiful song. She is in a boat because right now they're on an island pagoda and uh, this woman is rowed into the scene by via boat. She has her face covered which adds to her mystique or mysteriousness. Everyone is listening to her singing and remark that the voice is even better than Aling Rong's, who is known for her singing ability. Enraptured by the beautiful voice, the emperor is very interested in seeing who this woman is. He even like walks up to the edge of the pagoda. As the woman slowly comes into view and, and approaches the pagoda, it is revealed that she is none other than Alinrong. Everyone is shocked. Wasn't she sick? It turns out she's been healthy for quite some time, and she has been studying voice lessons to improve her singing skills by the grace of the Empress. The Emperor is beyond pleased, partly because Alinrong has been coached to sound 60 to 70% similar to his deceased first wife, Chun Yuan, whom he loves very much. He is smitten by how lovely her voice is and immediately promotes Aling Rong up one more rank to a noble lady. Aling Rong then sings another song. It's very familiar to us. It's called Jin Lu Yi. And where have we heard that before? All the way back in episode 16. Shen Mei Zhuang was just banished due to her fake pregnancy scandal. Shen Huan needed someone to take her place. So she trained Anlin Rong to have a meet-cute with the emperor. We discussed in length the meaning of the song and poem, so go back to episode 16 for a refresher. Anlin Rong now sings the song again to capture the attention of the emperor. There is a quick camera cut to Jin Huan. 
She is very familiar with this piece because she taught it to Alingrong. In her current mental state, I don't think she really cares too much, but she does, I feel like she does feel slightly betrayed. Mei Chang's next to her. She's just like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> like, whatever. I do not care about the favor of the emperor. Ugh. The emperor, upon hearing this piece, immediately showers Anirong with lavish gifts, including a rare jinlui or a gold-threaded gown based on this song. So she sings a song about the gold-threaded outfit, and she is gifted the gold-threaded outfit. There were only two made during the previous reign, uh, so the reign of his father. One of them is currently with the 17th prince's mother. The other one, well, is now gifted to Alingrong. This is quite an honor. It's actually kind of hilarious that you have all of your concubines watching you be infatuated or pretty much going on a date with another concubine. I just think it's super odd, but you have these two, the emperor and Anling Yong, being all cutesy lovey-dovey and like seven other women looking at the scene. <laughs> the other story here in this episode is that Nianfei, we haven't really talked about her this episode, uh, was for some reason invited to come to this performance, but was not allowed to go to the island where the performance was happening. She was humiliated by the emperor since he's now too busy to see anyone except for An Lingrong and tells Nianfei to not come up to the island. She's livid because she was waiting outside in the hot sun for a long time, but there really isn't a whole lot more she can do. Thankfully, she didn't make more of a scene and returns back to her palace. The episode ends with Cao Guiyan, the ally of Nianfei, bringing her daughter Wenyi to visit Nianfei. After much crying and lamenting of past happiness, Nianfei turns spiteful at the turn of events. Cao Guiyan ponders aloud that there must have been some type of sinister plot because the eunuch that came to deliver the original invitation to Nianfei to come to this performance wasn't the usual eunuch from the emperor's retinue. There must have been someone else who wanted Nianfei to show up in order to humiliate her. Nianfei thinks that it has to be either Zhen Huan or Huang Hou. We never get clear confirmation as to who it is. Zhen Huan would not, not do that. It is most likely Huang Hou. It definitely is the Empress because the eunuch that uh, kind of dismisses Nianfei at the end is the main eunuch for the Empress. So I think that kind of solves that riddle there. Well, that was the recap for episode 31. Let's dive into our analysis. The first thing that I want to talk about is the phrase Jing Xiang Qing Geng Qie. Right after the emperor visits the empress at the beginning of our discussion, the empress says this line when asked by her maid why she's been pushing the emperor to not see Jin Huan. The empress says this line Jing Xiang Qing Geng Qie. This line originates from a Tang Dynasty poem by a gentleman named Song Zhiwen. The full poem describes the feeling when one is away from home for a long period of time. The person misses home and is always wondering how things are back there. But as the person comes closer to home, the feeling is very overwhelming. So much so that the person is too afraid to ask nearby individuals how things are at home. 
How does this relate to the emperor and Jin Huan? It's not that the emperor doesn't want to see Jin Huan or that he doesn't care for her. It's quite the opposite. He cares for her deeply. But the closer he is to her, the more scared or emotional he is to be around her because he feels bad about her miscarriage or he feels responsible, which kind of he is. Yes. As such, he would rather stay away from her to not think about it. The more he stays away, the more it means that he actually cares. Again, this goes back to that earlier conversation. The emperor says, oh, I, I don't want women who are too smart or too dumb. Buddy, there are many very intelligent people in your harem. You just don't know it. <laughs> One key thing I want to point out as well is the fact that the empress in this episode, no matter what you say, shows how much she actually loves the emperor. She is willing to put up any number of women in order to make the emperor happy. That is a true sign of love. Many women are would not be able to do. She kind of has to do it, though, as well as is expected by her role as the empress. Next, we want to talk about the song that An Lingrong sings while she is being this mysterious woman showing up at the pavilion. The song she sings is called Cai Lian Chu. Every song in this drama has some type of interesting origin, and this song is no different. The piece that she sings directly translates to Lotus Flower Picking Song, or Cai Lian Chu. That's why in the drama, she has a lotus flower in her hand. Though I think there's a bug in the drama, on the boat, she has a white flower. The emperor even comments on the white flower. But when she gets on shore, the flower turns into a pink flower. The piece from the drama is beautiful. I thoroughly enjoy the calm, bubbling arpeggios that introduce this piece, which adds to the mysteriousness of her entrance. And it's really quite a beautiful song. The lyrics to the song originated from the Han Dynasty and is part of a collection of local songs or folk songs gathered from that time. The lyrics say that in southern China, it is time to pick the lotus flowers. The green leaves are flourishing. The fish in the pond where the lotus flowers are, are playfully swimming around. One moment the fish swim to the east, the other to the west. The lyrics aren't as deep as some of the other pieces we've discussed. It is meant to reflect happiness and joy, something lighthearted about the pleasant scenery and environment. Overall, though, very interesting to learn that this piece came from a collection of folk songs. There really isn't too much more to say about it. It's a cute, beautiful song about lotus flowers meant to make the emperor forget about certain unpleasantness and improve his mood. We have one more poem that we want to analyze for this episode. As the ladies are watching An Lingrong being showered with attention by the emperor after her beautiful singing, one of the ladies says that An Lingrong is and that her I'll be honest, this isn't a poem I paid a whole lot of attention to in the past, partly because I found it awkward to have all of these concubines watching their uh, husband, aka the emperor, being smitten with another concubine. In any case, this poem is another Tang Dynasty poem by a guy named Zhang Ji, 
who lived around 800 AD. The Tang Dynasty is well known for their poems, and this is no different. The entire poem tells a story of a young woman who gathers water chestnuts. She recently did her makeup and clothes and looks very beautiful. She knows she's beautiful, but is not super confident in her beauty. But the poem continues that even if other women wear the most popular and fashionable clothes, these other women do not compare to the singing of this water chestnut woman. The direct translation of the last line is that one song from this woman is worth 10,000 gold. The poem in its entirety goes like this. This poem is very apt to describe An Lingrong. An Lingrong has reestablished herself with improved singing, new clothes, and new hairstyle. Her song indeed is worth 10,000 gold as it has now helped her increase her rank, improve her rank to become a noble lady. Let's finish up with some random thoughts. The first that I have is, wow, the main character is the main character. Her, uh, Jin Huan's miscarriage took like three episodes or two episodes to kind of like have people process. She's still not over-processing. When Fu and had the miscarriage with the cat. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. <laughs> They're like, oh, the miscarriage. That's sad. such a, it's so sad. <laughs> uh, yeah, that just means, uh, you know, who we're focusing on, Jin Huan versus Fu Chaguan. Uh, the next one is, let's take a look at Cao Guiren during the celebration. She is the ally of Nian Fei. She's the one with the daughter. This is the first time I've really seen her or paid attention to her with such a lavish hairdo. It must be because Nianfei isn't there anymore. So she's like, finally, I can flaunt a little bit. She is the rank of, she does have a rank of a noble lady. So that's, you know, higher than Alingrong was. And she is the mother of a princess. So she could be wearing um, nicer clothes. Nicer clothes she has been. But she, otherwise, if you're, if she, once she's around Nianfei, she's pretty meek and understated. And finally, I was recently watching a newly posted video comparing the, uh, the ladies of the drama. The focus this time was on Tifei, like we said, the more dim-witted one. The nickname for her apparently is Ti Ha or Husky Ti. What this means is it's a term of endearment, but basically people call her that or Ti Ha because she's cute but also derpy. That's how Chinese people like to describe huskies because they're like, I mean, they're lovable but also don't know what's going on, which I mean... Might not be the case for all Huskies, but that's how people describe uh, Tifei right now. Oh, that's interesting. I've never heard that. I've only heard of being called TR because if somebody is R, the the number two, it's it means that you're kind of an idiot or you're very um, uh, like airheaded. I think airheaded is the right word. So I've only heard her being called TR. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they call her that TR and TR, ha. Huh? So Husky T, um, which I think is very apt. And if, you know, you continue the story watching with that lens. Yeah, she's she's, she's very kind of, much, she's kind of hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. An Ningrong, with the help of the Empress, has successfully captured the attention of the Emperor once more. Zhen Huan is still out of it, and Nianfei is also no longer in favor. 
What does that mean for the rest of the Imperial Harem? We'll find out in the next few episodes. Thank you so much for listening today. Again, always reach out to us at chasingdramaspodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode.